Sorry guys, I know we're coming at you a little bit later in the day today than you guys are accustomed to, but we are here as promised with our shortstop show. Welcome to Fantasy MLB Today. My name is Joe Orico, and you can find me on Twitter at JoeOrico99, and you can also go ahead and follow the Ethos Fantasy BB Twitter account. That's E-T-H-O-S Fantasy BB. Now, both of those accounts I just mentioned, we post the show from every day. Uh, my personal account throughout the season, we're also going to be posting a uh, list of players to add, players to drop, uh, game breakdowns, uh, up-to-the-minute data I'm hoping to provide you guys throughout the season. So go ahead and follow us on both of those accounts. Uh, very much appreciated. You can actually find the link to my personal Twitter uh, in the videos. If you click on my name there, it'll lead you to my Twitter Enough about me. Let's talk about baseball. That's why you guys are here to hear about baseball. And we're going to be breaking down shortstops today. And I'm going to try and skip over the ones that I've already touched on at great length, such as Trey Turner and Bo Bichette. I'm not going to be touching on them today. I may use them for reference points, but I won't be uh, specifically breaking down their attributes. I've, I've mentioned them too many times. and I don't want to get too repetitive here as much as I love them both as players. And they're both first round picks, upper first round picks. Uh, you can only talk at... So much about uh, particular guys before you get kind of bored of it. So we're going to talk about some guys that I have not gone over uh, this season yet. And we're going to start off with Tim Anderson, who's actually been tweeting a little bit today, talking about how he uh, had a suspension carried over from last season. There was an altercation at the end of the year in a Tigers game where the Tigers took exception to a Jose Abreu slide. Now, Tim made contact with an umpire and he was suspended for three games that suspension there's still two games left to be served so he will not be on uh on the opening day starting lineup for the white Sox for the first two games there so not great when you're uh, when you're drafting somebody obviously throughout the course of the season it's not going to really matter too much it just kind of sucks when you draft a guy and you have to sit him on opening day because of suspension i'm sure a lot of people had forgotten about that too when they were drafting him but I really like Tim. I think he's being drafted a little bit too high, perhaps, at pick 36. He turned in, uh, he was the 50th overall player on a total basis last year and 26th on a per-game basis. I really like his fantasy game. I just think there's some more complete options down the board. I've mentioned first base, the depth that that position has, but really shortstop is probably the deepest, certainly the most top-heavy position. There are about 50 in shortstops being taken inside of the top 100, and that's that's by far the most top-heavy of, of all the fantasy positions. First base, we were looking at maybe eight guys who were going in the top 100, and it was deeper down the board, but I think, um, I think it's a fair statement to say that shortstop is the deepest fantasy position. So, with that being said, I'm not jumping crazy high to draft Tim Anderson. I really like him. High batting average, uh, decent home runs out of the shortstop position, and he steals bags. But I think there's better value if you wait a little bit and go down the board. Um, we've talked about Xander Bogarts and Trevor Story. I'll just touch on them briefly. I really like them both. They're both being drafted in that 39 to 40 range. They're actually going one after the other uh, based on average draft pick. Uh, between the two of them, I like Story a bit better just because of the stolen base numbers. They're fairly similar production-wise. Uh, last year, 23 home runs to 24, 79 driven in to 75, 90 runs to 88 runs. So their their numbers were very similar. So between the two of them, I'm just 
Uh, I'm going to prefer Trevor Story just based on the steals. Uh, but again, I'm not really jumping crazy high to draft either of them. I'm not. Uh, I'm not totally totally sold on how that playing time is going to work. I think there still will be some platooning. They'll probably have Story playing second base a lot of the time, but there's a decent chance that that doesn't work out so well, and they end up having to platoon at short. So you may not have that full-time, everyday guarantee out of drafting those guys, you're more than likely going to be safe. But I don't think it's set in stone that those guys are going to play every single day. Now, it's kind of me being a, a nitpicker here in terms of that, because they're still going to play quite a bit. They're still both elite shortstops. But I'm looking at guys, especially early on, that I am more certain of in terms of playing time, and they're both going to play. But the fact that they're both shortstops might work uh, might work against both of them, unfortunately, throughout the year. Just Even if it's not a huge discrepancy, there might be 10 fewer games that each of them plays or something like that. That can be really detrimental to your lineup. So just something to keep an eye on, something to remember. Let's briefly talk about Francisco Lindor, who had definitely a down year, and we've talked about him a bit already, so I don't want to uh, go into too much detail, but I really like Lindor. He's hit four home runs so far in the spring. Read into that what you will. I try, and I've said on the show, don't worry too much about spring, but uh, it shows that he's still got the pop. He had 20 home runs last year, and he's always had pretty good pop for a shortstop. Now, the steals in the batting average were atrocious atrocious last year. So we're looking for improvement on those fronts. He's being drafted at pick 50, which I like. Now, he's someone, once I made my uh, top 72 players for the year, I realized I should probably have him there. He's he, When I did the list the other day, I just listed out my top 100. I had him, I believe, 74th, which is really just based on uh, a little bit of hesitancy on my part. I still really like him, and I think he'll bounce back this year. I just wasn't fully comfortable putting him up in that upper echelon of players. I still do think that he's a good player to draft here at pick 50. So if you get him in round five, that's a huge discount from last year. Last year, he was a first-round pick. And I think that he will make up that value uh, throughout the season. He'll turn it around from what he did last year. The Mets have added a lot of good pieces, as we've talked about. They've added Starling Marte. They've added, well, they've kept Pete Alonso. They're getting back Robinson Cano. Uh, I'm missing I'm missing a name in there. Mark Canna, not a, not a massive name, but they've, they've definitely strengthened their lineup, and those 63 RBIs will probably go up, and so will the 73 runs. So I'm, I'm pretty confident that Lindor is going to have a bounce-back season and that drafting him is not very risky in round five. I'd be fairly confident. Let's move on to Wander Franco, who has third and shortstop eligibility. He's the first guy we're talking about today who has multiple position eligibility. And I really like Wander. I think the Rays got him for an absolute steal at the contract they signed. It's something like 10 years or 11 years and only 100-some-odd million. It's, it's really a discount. And I think he's going to regret signing it. But anyway, I really like him fantasy-wise. He can contribute across the board. 
not not crazy fast, but I think we'll see the speed come a little bit more as he gets more used to the major leagues. He's being drafted at pick 46, which just makes me a little bit nervous. It's really high for a guy we've only seen have 280 at-bats. I really like his fantasy game. I'm just not totally sold based on where he's being drafted. So it's it's really hard for me to form a concrete opinion. I feel like he will be really good, but I also feel like there's safer plays if you go a little bit further down. So I'm not going to be jumping up. He's being drafted at the end of the fourth round. I'm not going to be jumping too much if he falls there or below, then sure, but I'm not going to be jumping up to grab him really. Uh, we've talked about the next few guys on the list. Let's talk about Fernando Tatis. We haven't really talked about Fernando Tatis this year. He's going to miss three months, they think. Now, he might beat that timeline a little bit. He, I believe, beat his timeline last year when he hurt himself. He came back earlier than expected. But he's not someone you can really draft. I mean, his ADP fell from one or one point something. He was either It was either him or Trey Turner for your first pick. Now he's fallen to 49. I think maybe that's still because of the early picks factoring into that. But it's really going to be hard to draft him this year. He will be drafted. He's not going to go undrafted. People will take flyers later on. But those flyers should not start in round five for me. Pick 49, that's way too early to take a chance on him. He's going to miss three months. Now, he will come back. Uh, it's not like they're going to just shut him down for the year or anything like that. Baseball works a little differently than some other sports in that regard. Even if they're not doing particularly well, he'll still come back. So that's not a worry. But I am worried about using so much draft capital on someone that's going to be in your injured list for several months. Now, he might be someone you want to draft later on and then try and trade because people still love his name. And he does have one of the more complete fantasy games that we've seen in the last few years between the extreme power numbers and the steals. He's, it's, it's a loss to the sport to not have him uh, going to be out there for the first few months of the season. So end of June, they forecasted, I believe, for him to come back. Might push to the All-Star break. Uh, but not someone you can take a flyer on. I don't really have a concrete area where I'd be drafting him necessarily. Maybe once you feel comfortable with your lineup, with your infield, and you've taken care of a lot of the money positions, and you have a solid foundation down for your team, then maybe you say, okay, you know what, I'll take the zeros, I'll put him in the injured list, and when he comes back, it's just a huge positive, right? And if you look at it from the perspective of the upside, there's not many people who are falling in this range. Um, he's at pick 50 right, now, 50 right now, but I feel like he'll fall even further as the season uh, creeps up in the next week. Look for him to fall another 10, 20 slots probably. And you start to feel a little bit more comfortable, maybe, if you're taking him in the 70 range, 70, 80 range. But it's really risky. And just looking at the way that the NBA season turned out, because that's the most recent major sport that we have to watch, there was a lot of guys who were injured going into the season who just didn't play this year. Now, it's not something, like I said, I'm not really worried about that with Tatis, but it's got to stick in the back of your mind 
that when you draft someone who's going to be giving you zeros, it's really a wild card. It's really a roulette table in terms of what you're going to be getting. So as much as I like him, I love him. I love his his play. He's probably the most exciting player in the majors. Pretty stupid for doing that whole motorcycle thing. Multiple motorcycle accidents. It's hopefully something that uh, as he gets older, he'll he'll learn that he can't be doing that. I mean, hopefully he's already learned that lesson that he can't be riding motorcycles. I mean, the Padres could have voided his contract, which obviously they're not going to want to do. But, you know, if he does stupid stuff like this going forward, we got to be careful that he doesn't turn into one of those party crazy people who stops kind of focusing on their sport I don't think that's going to happen just because he's so talented at such a young age. His his ceiling is there. There is no ceiling. So I'm thinking he's going to probably figure it out and get smarter. That's more of like a longer term fantasy question in terms of do I hold on to this guy, say for dynasty leagues? Is he someone who I should just trade and get value for right now because you're worried about uh, you're worried about what's going on between the ears if he has the the intelligence to, you know, be, be smart about his health and not get into motorcycle accidents, not ride motorcycles, period, because they're really dangerous, as, as cool as they are, right? You're someone at that age with that kind of money on the line, risking it for a motorcycle is really dumb. So hopefully, and again, that's more of a longer term fantasy question. Will he figure it out between the ears? But I think it's safe to say that he probably will with the amount of talent he has. I'm no Dynasty League expert, but I would probably hold on to him. Uh, I focus more on head-to-head leagues here. I would probably hold him, though, in Dynasty still, as opposed to looking to trade him just because of the crazy upside. Now, for this year, going back briefly for this year, I'm holding off until at least, at least pick 70 or so. And even that, I would I would wait as long as you possibly can before taking him. As as much as he looks, he's fantastic, right? He's, he's, he's a brilliant offensive baseball player. The defense, not great, obviously, but that doesn't really factor into standard category leagues here. I'm... I've spent a lot of time talking about him because he is such a major player, but I am I'm not going to be jumping to draft him anywhere. Let him fall, let him fall. If someone else wants to jump for him, let them jump for him and take zeros for 3 months. If he's going to fall into the 70s and the 80s range, there's no there's not really many shortstops going between pick 80 and pick 100, 120. So he might just be kind of forgotten about in that range, maybe. It depends on your league, it depends how serious your league is. But there might be some people who just don't draft him, and you might be able to get him around pick 100. Some leagues, there might be guys who take him around pick 40 because he's Fernando Tatis, and the name still has tons of value to it. But be careful. Don't draft him too high. Don't jump up anywhere to draft him. If he's fallen below pick 70, like I've said, by all means, he's not someone who you want to be risking your whole season on as good as he is. Let's move on. We spent a lot of time on Fernando. And I think for a superstar like that, who I haven't really covered, it makes sense to spend a little bit more time on him. Let's move on to Bobby Witt Jr., who 
I'm I don't see how the how the Royals could possibly send him down to start the season. It would just be a it would be ridiculous, right? It would be kind of like what the Pirates did with O'Neill Cruz. Not something that the league looks on very positively. Uh, he'll be on the opening day roster. He's, he's being drafted around pick 100, which for someone who has no major league experience kind of worries me a little bit. But as I've talked about, once you get past pick 100, you're minimizing your risk because you've already built a solid foundation to your team most likely. So I'm not uh, terribly worried around pick 100. The only worry would be if the Royals do scumbag the league, scumbag Bobby himself, and send him down. Wouldn't be wouldn't be great look for them. Um, but he's going to be probably their third baseman. And uh, he, now he's shortstop eligible only right now in fantasy. But uh, he'll probably have that dual eligibility. I'm just a little hesitant based on the fact that we don't really know. We know front offices as a whole like to keep control of players as long as they can. So maybe he starts the year in the minor leagues. I'm not expecting that, but I think it is a distinct possibility. If he's if you're drafting the day before the season or two days before the season, which is when I recommend doing your drafts as late as possible because you want as much info going in as possible. There were some people who drafted early and they picked Fernando Tatis first overall and their season is probably not going to go so great unless they made up a ton of that value. But you wait longer, you get all the information you can, you wait till rotations are set, you wait till lineups have kind of been figured out, till closers have been announced, then, then you are, are free to draft. Well, a couple of my drafts are taking place the day before the season, and I really like that. I've done a couple of them already, but those day before the season, two days before the season drafts, I find to be definitely the best way to go. You just need to go in as informed as possible. You don't want to throw down $100 or whatever for a fantasy season and then have who knows how much money you guys are throwing out? It might be a twenty dollar buy in a hundred, might be a thousand, but you don't want to have that uh, have your season lost or have the value diminished because you know of incomplete information. You're drafting guys who are going to be sent down, who are going to be you know they're not going to be the closer after you thought they were going to be the closer earlier, a la Will Smith with Atlanta, who's now going to be stepping into a setup role. So if you drafted him as your closer, you're kind of screwed now because Kenley Jansen's the closer. So there's a lot of things to worry about, but I definitely would have your drafts be as close to the season as possible. It doesn't really harm anybody to draft that close. Some people like to do it early, but if you're in a redraft league, push it as far as you can. Uh, that's enough out of me on that subject. Let's go on to the next shortstop. That'll be Dansby Swanson, who had a really solid year last year despite hitting for a low batting average. Uh, good run total at 78, 27 homers. 88 RBIs, and he stole nine bases. Uh, good value down there at pick 120. Now, there's a couple of little things. He doesn't play another position, which I really like to have pretty much everybody on my roster be able to play multiple positions just for off days, injuries, things like that. So it's, it's a small it's a small thing. Um, the average is not particularly high, and I'm not sure exactly where he'll be batting in this Atlanta order, but historically he's been kind of low so as i like him here i like him around pick 120 but i'm also not uh i'm not going to be jumping too high to draft him 
he's he's a very good shortstop. He's a solid uh, back end of your lineup guy to have. He's not. Now, depending on how you construct your team, he shouldn't be one of your lead offensive options, but he should be just a nice guy you can take there in round 10 or so, round 9. That'll just give you a few extra home runs. He's able to drive in a lot of runs because he's playing on a good team, and that's a huge factor. And he'll score um, probably in that same 80-run range again. So I, li- I like Dansby. I just don't – I wouldn't be jumping up too high to draft him. I think 120 feels about right. Uh, who else have not we talked about? Willie Adamas, who had a fantastic season for the Brewers last year. He started off with Tampa. They traded him, and then he went crazy. He ended up with 25 homers and 73 RBIs. He was actually a, a fairly large reason, I think, why Milwaukee did as well as they did last year. Obviously, the pitching staff, the three-headed monster, definitely helped. By three-headed monster, I mean Woodruff, Peralta, and Corbin Burns. Probably should have said Corbin Burns' name first there. Anyway, Willie Adamas really helped with the Brewers' uh, offensive struggles last year. He'll be probably batting in the top of that order. 135th uh, player off the board on average. I think that's a good spot for him. Now, a guy without really a proven track record going back years and years always kind of worries me a little bit. He's not... um, He's not like a highly touted prospect who you like a wit or a Adley Rutschman who you kind of ignore the lack of a track record. He's had a couple of decent years. Last year was his breakout year. And with the depth at shortstop, you can wait still and not get burned. Um, I wouldn't common theme today. Don't jump up for these guys. If you're going to draft the players that I've talked about, take them at their ADP or lower. There's no need to invest more capital than necessary on them. But I think Willie's a fairly safe play around that 135 range. You're getting him around 11 or so. I don't mind it there. I I don't mind it. I don't love it, but I don't mind it. I think that he can still return value from that spot. We've talked about most of the shortstops now. Uh, There's a couple guys who are primary shortstops or who will be playing mostly shortstop, like your Corey Seekers and Marcus Semien's Javi Baez, who I've talked about. At a, at a good length so far already. So you can go back to our second base video and hear more about uh, Marcus Semien and a couple of those other guys. That um, that was from yesterday, the second base video. But you can also go back to when we talked about last week, uh, some free agent signings. We talked about Semien and we talked about Seager and Trevor Story and Javi Baez. A lot of shortstops, Carlos Correa, a lot of shortstops that uh, had new homes going into the season. So that's why we're not going um, how I have typically gone in this process, which is start at the top and work your way down. I'm kind of just picking who I want to talk about based on who I haven't talked about at length already. Let's talk about Glaber Torres. He should have, um, he'll have a starting role most likely. There there may be some platooning um, because we're not totally sure about how DJ LeMayhew is going to fit in. The left side of the infield, we figure Josh Donaldson, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, and then Glaber at second, Anthony Rizzo at first, I'm thinking for the Yankees. But there will be some platooning there, and there will be some DHing going on. I'm not drafting Glaber. I don't really have much confidence in him. I know he had a good year a couple of years back. But uh, low home runs, decent steals, 14 steals. If you're taking him... 
But no, I, I can't justify it in that range, even just for steals at 172. There's still so much, so many better players on the board at that point. If you're jumping up to take him, it's not wise. Um, now, people might see that there's no more Gio Urshela. Um, there's more room, perhaps, on that infield. He'll play a little bit more than he has. Uh, don't, don't, don't draft Glaber Torres this year. I'm not... I might come back to bite me because I'm specifically singling one guy out, not the draft. I haven't really done that so much, but I'm not a huge Glaber Torres fan. I'm not going to be expending a lot of uh, a lot of capital on him. I'm not going to be expending any capital on him really because if you just go further down here, even a hundred picks later, you have guys um, like Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, his teammate, who I actually like more. Not that he's um, fantastic or anything, but he can steal bases. He'll probably be at the top of that lineup. He's one of those guys who'll either be at the top or the bottom. He's not going to be in the middle of the order because that just doesn't make sense there. But he can steal bases for you. Hit at a higher average. He's going 100 picks later. I mean, I'll, I'll take Kiner Falefa if you're if you're a Yankee fan or whatever and you want to go with a Yankee, if that's your mindset. Or if you want to just wait and still have value. Now, he doesn't have the value he had last year, Connor Falefa, because he doesn't have that catcher eligibility anymore. But uh, I still like him a lot, especially he's going to pick 292. So a little bit more of a value play there for sure. But he's going to have decent value. I'd say probably better than, um, than Glaber. So just going between those two Yankees, I would pick, I would pick Isaiah. But... Um, the main point there is I don't really like Glaber Torres. I don't like his fantasy game. I wouldn't use a pick inside the top 200 on him. I really wouldn't. I just, I, I don't see it. I don't see it there for him. Let's get into a couple more guys. Um, let's talk about Luis Urias, who does have multiple um, positions where he can play. He's not fully healthy. Uh, it's probably going to take him till the end of April to get back into games. Now, the issue, I believe, is his quad. So it can impact running a little bit there. He only stole five bases last year. So it, it's not going to be uh, something that you have to really worry about in that regard. His main value last year came from his home runs. He had 23 homers, 75 driven in. For where he's being drafted, you know, that's a lot safer for me. Even just to go back to Glaber for a second, 30 picks later, more home runs, more RBIs, more runs. You know, going. I hate to just like single a guy out in particular, but I just have no idea why Torres is being drafted where he is. It's not that it's terribly high, 172nd, but it's just so unnecessary to pick him there. There's still at least, when I'm looking at 10 shortstops or 10 players who are shortstop eligible who can actually give you better value, have more upside and a higher floor. So, you know, don't draft Glaber Torres. That's that's kind of, uh, I don't know, it's becoming more apparent the further I read into these players and these numbers that his ADP is not justified based on really anything. I don't. I can't understand it. I can't understand why he's being taken in that situation. Going back to Urias for a second, I would take him in a heartbeat over 
Torres, even with the injury uh, concerns, because of the home run power, the home run potential, and good RBIs from a guy who can play second, third, and short, which are not massive home run positions. Third base can be, but second and short are not. So to get 23 home runs out of a guy who's going to be your second baseman, who's going to be a really low draft pick, great value. Great value. Let's talk about one more player for today. Uh, let's talk about Josh Rojas, who, you know, he can be a really valuable fantasy player because of his eligibility across the board. Second, third, short, and outfield, a lot of positions he can play. Not crazy in terms of any particular category, but he kind of just helps you out a little bit everywhere. 70 runs, 11 homers, 44 driven in, 9 steals. He's an afterthought kind of draft pick at 255, but he could, someone who you can plug in. In a lot of different instances, like I said there, you can play them in the infield or the outfield. I really like those guys who are late in the draft, post 200, post 250 ADP, that still bring you either A, they specialize in one category, so they're crazy good with steals, they hit a ton of home runs, or like Rojas, where it's more balanced, where they give you a little bit of everything across the board. They're not crazy powerful. They're not going to steal a ton of bags. But they just kind of give you that consistency across. Decent batting average. Uh, just everything. Not I shouldn't say everything is there and hype him up more than he is. But he's a good late round option. There's a lot of players that we've discussed on the show over the past week or so that are really being drafted late. No one's talking about them. They have crazy high upside. And the floor is fairly high. So just to kind of recap... You don't need to expend much draft capital on really anywhere. Like, there's not a position where I'm thinking, yeah, you have to take him here. You have to, you have to have this position taken care of by pick 50, or else there's no one. Like, there's value everywhere. There's value across the board. So tar- target your smart early round players, players that we've talked about on this show that are really locked into first round value, second round value, guys in great positions. Now, obviously, injuries will will screw everything up in a few weeks. We all know the routine. But you don't need, just to, to hammer it home one more time, you don't need any particular position taken care of by any particular ADP. There's no, or by any particular draft pick. There's no direct formula for you need to have a shortstop and a pitcher and a third baseman in the first three rounds there is deep value so draft those great great sure thing guys in those first few rounds because you really want to take sure things early on nothing is a totally sure thing but you want to draft with confidence and you want to draft with intelligence and also with knowledge on players injury histories their playing time situations whatever There's value to be had down the board, and you don't need to jump up for anybody, really. There's not one player that comes to mind. There might be overnight, or as soon as I hit the stop button for the recording today, that will come to mind. There's no one that you need to jump ahead of their ADP and go crazy with. I think that there's a ton of value, especially here in the infield, throughout the first 300-plus picks, that there is really, you can build a great team Regardless of format, regardless of roster size, there is so many 
baseball players. It's the biggest fantasy pool you have to deal with in all of fantasy sports. So it's a lot of fun, but there's also a lot of information that you need to be aware of before you start drafting. So don't jump up for anybody. Don't jump up for anybody. Don't be a hero. Don't draft a fourth-round guy in the second round because you think he'll have a great year. Maybe he will have a great year, but take him in the fourth round. You don't need to take him in the second round. If everybody's taking him in the second round, or if everybody's taking him in the fourth round, then you can take him in the fourth round anyway, and you get a different player slotted into your round two slot. So you just have more of a buffer in there. You have, like, Let's say you really like Wander Franco. And a lot of people really do like Wander Franco. He'll probably move up in these drafts even higher than where he's going at pick 46. You don't want to take him at pick 29 because you think this is the year for Franco. He's going to break out like crazy. I'm going to be ahead of the curve. That's stupid. You can wait around. You can take a player in between there and still get Franco around later depending on where exactly you slot into the draft. And you can make up that value right in the middle there. You don't need to, like, even if you want to take them, take them, but don't jump to take them. Don't jump to take anybody. Be smart with your drafts. Take players where their ADP is or later, and you're not going to get burned very much, unless, of course, players get hurt. But in terms of actual value, if you're smart with drafting players where they are properly valued, or they should be slotted, or later, then you're going to be successful. That's just the way it is. That's just the way fantasy sports works. Guys, I really appreciate all of you listening today. This has been the Fantasy MLB Today podcast. My name is Joe Orico, and I am your host, and we'll give you the handles one more time today. It's at JoeOrico99, so it's J-O-E-O-R-R. ICO 99. It's linked into the description of the show and into the description of the episode. And you can go ahead and follow the Ethos Fantasy BB Twitter account. That's E T H O S Fantasy BB. Both of the accounts that I just mentioned, the show is posted out from each day. And as the season goes on, for my personal account and hopefully from the Ethos account as well, we will get you more fantasy related content as we expand out beyond just. Uh, what sports ethos has been known for which is basketball we're trying to give you baseball and more sports hopefully as we go on in time guys i hope everybody's had a great thursday we'll wrap it up tomorrow with our third base show everybody have a great day see ya